commentator on the contemporary scene. Here's Gene. Before we uh, get started here, Shepard has a prediction to make, if you don't mind, you know. There's nothing like the ego of a predictor. I'll tell you, that that uh, a prognosticator is only, well, I'd say he's second in ego to uh, to an oracle. Uh, it's very hard, you know, to make these value judgments. But uh, I, Shepard is about to make a prediction. Would you please get my scary music up there in there, Jim, for it? Just hold it there. I'll give you the cue. Hold it there. Just a minute. And I will need... Uh, I will need uh, a little echo chamber on this. Uh, because uh, what is a prognostication? Well, it's a prediction of things to come. Right. That makes sense. And uh, if there's any business in the world that is more... Oh, not yet, Jim. Please. Please. You don't want to alarm the old ladies out there. Please. They're having trouble hearing those little voices in their head anyway. Now, uh, as I... As I'm for. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you this: that uh, there's no business outside of possibly uh, the music racket that is more uh, herd-oriented and trend-conscious than the movie business. Well, you remember what happened the minute they, the minute the Poseidon Adventure came on, you had movies of buildings blowing up. You had movies of, of earthquakes where the entire state of California was swallowed up by a giant tidal wave. The, 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 you know, the catastrophe movies. And they have disappeared now almost. It's a, it's a, it's a, we've gone through that. After all, there's just so many catastrophes. You know, till ultimately, you, you wind up with one called The End of the Earth. And uh, they tried that one at Warner Brothers, but uh, there were certain technical problems which... <laughs> they couldn't quite couldn't quite work out. So, <laughs> and and out of that, that's very offensive. See, a lot of people would be really bugged because uh, a lot of people say, "Well, it's okay if Russia gets blown up and goes and Cuba and all that." But my God, well, you're not going to do this to Morristown, New Jersey. I mean, after all, bad guys, good guys, and all the rest of that. So, the end of the earth should be selective. Do you agree? Shouldn't be just everybody. After all, that would really be a negative thinking. We don't believe in negative thinking anymore, do we? Right. After Dr. Norman Vincent Peale straightened us all out on that one. That's right. Ever upwards and onwards. With a cliche on your lips. Go higher and higher. But uh, I don't want to get into that. I would like to say before I get... Have you noticed that this is very confusing tonight, Jim? Or is it just you? It doesn't matter, does it? You know, who cares whether it's the third or the fourth Marx brother that's that's, uh, a cuckoo bird. uh, Together they make this. 
But uh, nevertheless, uh, I am making prediction. There is no business at all like the movie business for following trends. Please bring me the spooky music and a little echo chamber. Now, another, now, another picture, picture that, that must, must be seen, be seen from, from Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers International. International. Once, Once in a generation, a movie is produced that says it for all time and for all men, an exciting adventure tale that grips the imagination. Not recommended for children under nine. It was a quiet Sunday afternoon off Portland, Rhode Island, when all of a sudden, the scourge hit the killer eel. A 275-foot eel, weighing over 14 tons, appeared off the coast of Rhode Island, devouring all of its weight. And only three men stood between civilization and the killer eel. Steve McQueen, Gene Hackman, and Jack Lemon playing Dr. Cloverman, the eminent marine biologist. Guest star Suzanne Fletcher. You must see the killer eel. And then I can just see, you know, this this conference going on. See, down at the down at the 20th Century Fox Eagle International Productions. One guy says, "All right, now, Sam, I'm not going to take any more of this stuff." Now, damn it! I told you by Monday we gotta have a monster devouring animal movie, or we're gonna see a lot of house cleaning around here. All right, now, Marv, you come in here with this idea of the the killer ants. Killer ants. The Japanese, them guys over there in Tokyo, they turned out the killer scorpions years ago. And what did that pay? That made about $20 in the drive-ins. we got to have something big that swims. All right, now, let's, let's hear some suggestions here. And don't just try to, to butter me up because I am Mr. Big around here and my name is on the water cooler out there. It's on the chimney out there, too. You know what the incinerator says? Cloverman Productions. Right. So don't try to butter me up for that. All right, now, okay, let's have some suggestions. How about you, Sam? Man, eh, not bad, not bad. I don't think the people are going to buy the idea of a man-eating clam. I know clams are popular, and a lot of people like to dip them into that red stuff, but I'm telling you, a man-eating clam don't sing. It's got to sing. Sing. All right, now, anybody else here? Lobster? No. <laughs> Man-eating lobster. That's ridiculous. Now, come on. Stop it. You're kidding me, Herb. A moray eel? What's that? Oh, not a bad idea. A 700-foot moray eel. Hey, how about this one? How about an electric moray eel? So big. Oh, I can see. I can see the ad campaign now. An eel so big. An electric eel so enormous that the power from this eagle, this eel could provide the electricity for the entire city of Buffalo, New York, for over two weeks, air conditions and all. Speaking of, um, if I may get back to uh, the predictions of things to come, you know, speaking of, uh, of uh, our exciting life of today, I was reading in a sociological uh, 
a quarterly the other day that America is suffering from a very interesting new malady. It's called the uh, service syndrome. Yes, yes, write that down, please. That'll appear in the, the exam at the end of the semester. It's the service syndrome, spelled service. Yes, there is a hum back there. That's my head. My head hums usually at this time of day. Yeah, hear it? I've been hearing that for years. Well, I see, I'm a total electronic man. You must understand that. I, I uh, generate square waves in my spare time. Oh, you got a rotten monitor in there. You're getting, a, you're getting what we call a, uh, a, uh, a, a sinal distortion there, which means that you're distorting the sine wave, which I'm putting on. I'm putting on a pure sine wave. However, uh, I don't like to burden you with these uh, technical problems that we electronic media people have. Uh, have you uh, have you ever suspected that all of us in showbiz really are different from all of you? We are. We are. Uh, every one of us has uh, things in us that you don't even have. Uh, you know, a doctor has to check. We don't go to a doctor, most of us. We go to a serviceman. And, uh, you know, they check your overload relays and all that stuff. And <laughs> that's called a media man. And, uh, yeah, oh, yes, yes, have to get your FET circuits checked once in a while. And, uh... You know, a few little ICs have to be repaired. You get that cracked plastic and stuff. But uh, nevertheless, I would like to say uh, that uh, the service syndrome, what does the service syndrome mean? Well, it comes out, it comes because of television, they say. See, we're always talking about what does television do to people because of violence, but they're not talking about what does people do, what does television do in a more subtle way. It makes you demand things of life that life is not prepared to give. In other words, you see all those great gas station guys on television. You ever seen a nicer bunch of guys? They're really nice guys. They'll bounce a tire one up and say, Hey, now you see that car over there? That belongs to Mrs. Clevenger. She's the math teacher. Now, now she's been coming in here for years now. She don't know nothing about tires, but she sure knows her math. Now look at what she's done to this tire. I asked her, why has she had them balanced? She says, well, they, they look round to me. Well, I'll tell you this. I know how she drives. I figure what kind of tire she wants. And when she comes in here, a lot of people have been looking for years for that gas station guy and not finding him. So they begin to suspect then that they are, are well, uh, inadequate. That other people are finding that gas station guy. Now, how about those nice family scenes that you see on TV? You know, where everybody's sitting around eating, uh, eating uh, uh, Franco-American SpaghettiOs. And uh, everybody's so damned happy about it. Uh, have you seen the nice little family scene where the guy's getting the hamburger that's mixed up with the hamburger helper or something? He never says, oh, no, not again. What are you doing? No, 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 no. He says to that cute little wife of his, how are we going to eat tomorrow? And she says, ah, gracias, senor. <laughs> ah, gracias, Kamala. He says, ah. And then you took it and they dance a little, you know, a little funny dance, uh, you know, a little, a little uh, a Mexican harachi or something there. And it's so nice. And people just don't get that at home. You agree? Now, one of the most significant commercials, I think, that way, is the curious commercial. I've been trying to figure out what it means for a long time. You know the one where the guy sits down, and uh, and everybody says, um, 
in one one event, one 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 commercial, it comes in. There's different guys play it all. There's about five different versions of it. Where the guy comes in, he sits down, and he says, "Hey, uh, isn't there any fresh orange, fresh squeezed orange juice for old dad?" And with that, his wife says a very mysterious thing. She says, "No, you prefer the number one frozen uh, orange juice." <laughs> and he says, "Well," she says, "but now we found something that's almost that's every bit as good as the number one." And she makes the thing with the hand. And uh, apparently everybody's got fresh orange juice, but old dad there. And it's not because, of, and, and what's worse, old dad doesn't even get the one he wants, which is the number one frozen orange juice. He's got the one that they're selling, which is even better than the number one. And I can't figure out what, what it's all about. Why did they why did they pass old dad up in that when they made the orange juice that morning? Apparently everybody else is drinking fresh orange juice, right? And it's old dad prefers the number one, the frozen one, but he doesn't even get that. It's a mysterious world in those TV commercials. Now you see what old dad, now here's why, here's why people get this service syndrome. How does old dad react to that? He turns to this little kid and says, oh, how about some, uh, how about some frozen bird's eye for your old dad? <laughs> and then he turns back and he says, yes, it is like, it's more like fresh squeeze. And he does with the hand. He always does this thing with the hand. Instead of the way Dad would, would react, Dad would say, Now, come on, for God's sakes, don't tell me I'm the only one that's not getting fresh today. What the hell is this? Well, I'm going to squeeze some myself. That's what he would do in real life, wouldn't he? But who wants real life? Now, how about that one where the, where the uh, guy comes and apparently he's installing a, a washing machine. And he and this lady suddenly start playing beanbag with this uh, box of powdered oil. He says, I call it the out cleaner. And he throws it to her, and he presses a button that's hot, warm, cold. <laughs> and then she throws it back to him. That's a nice little scene there. I, 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 you know, I had the feeling that something was happening between that lady and that, that serviceman that just after that little game of catch began to really get exciting. We missed it. So that's called the service syndrome. I'm, uh, you, you watch uh, you watch a uh, policewoman, right? Have you noticed not only how unbelievably chic that policewoman is, she must have a wardrobe that you know just uh, doesn't stop. She didn't get that magnificent Alexander's on a Saturday afternoon. I mean that that lady is dressed as they uh, you know as they say in bad novels to the nines, but that nevertheless she's so concerned about the people. She doesn't say, all right, buddy, up against the wall, you're busted. She never says that. <laughs> no way. And uh, how about Dr. Welby? How long has it been since you've had a doctor call your home after you have seen him? He says, I'm checking on your cold sores. Now, uh, I'm going to drop by tonight on my way back from the, uh, from the office, and I'm going to check on your cold sores. And by the way, I want to have a good long talk with your aunt. You see, I believe it is... Well, I don't want to say it over the phone, but I believe that she is giving you psychological problems which are causing your cold sores. And, of course, then there's a whole adventure with you and your aunt, the cold sores. Oh, yes, you know, you can get psychological cold sores. And, uh, now, I'm just, curious. <laughs> I'm just curious how many people feel cheated in life because their teacher, for example, isn't like Lucas Tanner. You know, and all they got is Mr. Schaefer, see? <laughs> Little Mr. Schaefer, four feet nine, two hundred and seventy pounds. He's as bald as a bowling ball, 
and he stands up there and he talks with a very strong lisp and nobody can hear him past the second row and uh, more than that he <laughs> he gets very angry anytime anybody asks him a question and he never wants to discuss your sex life or your your identity crisis after school and uh, <laughs> I, I'm just you know I I, I, I Take, take television now. I think in, 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 in many ways has made people even tired of their friends. Yes, really, seriously. Now, I'm, I'm, uh, this is something that nobody even discusses, but if you watch, for example, Archie Bunker, have you ever noticed the unbelievably funny friends that come in? Everybody's got great lines. <laughs> Everybody, everybody is, a, is, a, is a lovable, cuddly character. And... Uh, you know, you could sit in, in any given the family circle in America for, for weeks and not hear a funny line. And, you know, you get damn sick and tired of having your husband around if he comes downstairs and he doesn't say something funny <laughs> after watching Archie. And this is supposed to be, you know, great family, realistic family. There we are. It's supposed to be realistic. And uh, have you seen that nice clean limb bunch that ride around on emergency? Gee, did you ever see a greater-looking bunch of firemen? And their equipment just gleams. And they come out of a firehouse that looks like, uh, you know, it looks like the most luxurious Howard Johnson that you can ever imagine. <laughs> and, you know, they're, and they're all, they're all great-looking guys. There isn't one fat one in a lot. And they always, you know, they always show them uh, uh, having dinner and they're sitting around. And uh, one of them is always be, is doing the cooking today. Tony, and they have this funny scene about Tony's cooking the Italian food, you know, and all that. And, uh, and they're all very jovial characters. But you notice one thing about them? There isn't one guy in there that's bald or fat or that sweats. And there's a firehouse right across from my apartment where there isn't a guy in that entire firehouse that weighs less than 285 pounds. <laughs> and I keep, you know, wanting to open the window. Holler, hey, you guys, when are you going to straighten up and start saying funny things? Well, you know, all they do is stand around in the street, you know, and look at girls as they go by. Have you noticed that they never do that in in uh, in, in uh, television? And no, no fireman ever says, "Hey, baby," you know. <laughs> Yet I saw 25 firemen the other day fighting a fire, and this girl walked past, and the whole thing stopped. The hoses stopped squirting and everything. <laughs> oh man! See, so so the service syndrome is basically a dissatisfaction with real life, as opposed to the life that you see on television, and the internal demand that you have for greater services at all times. In fact, there's one TV commercial, for example, where uh, this this lady's suddenly there with the frozen uh, fried chicken, and uh, she she brings it out. And uh, she tells the other lady, well, of course, you realize, thank God for frozen drumsticks. Thank God, or whatever it is. I'm just inventing this name. Thank God. Now at last we don't have to fry our chicken. You know, you have to fry them, each individual piece a different way because each piece is thicker and heavier than the other pieces. And you, I never saw anybody fry chicken like that. They just thrown it all in the pan. <laughs> I never saw. But uh, that's another TV problem. Have you noticed how nicely those drains clear? on television. Have you tried any of that stuff? Naturally for you, Jim, it always works. That's right. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> but you know, a TV, you just go, 
and you see this whoosh, that great drawing you know with that glass drain his nose nice you know it doesn't blow it back out the top like it often does in real life you know the guy puts the stuff in boom up it goes to the ceiling either that or just lays there for four weeks and doesn't do anything finally you get a coat hanger you know <laughs> straighten it out <laughs> stick it down there and uh, you know that's the greatest drain cleaner of them all do you agree Jim absolutely that's real life it's a uh, like have you noticed uh, another one is the dissatisfaction with the pen every pen that's advertised I'm talking about felt tip pens and stuff on TV they really write you know that in, in my hands, the lifespan of your average felt-tip pen is three and a half words? Three and one half, and, and I'm talking about no words over six letters long. <laughs> it runs out of gas. And then you stick it on your tongue, you know, try to get some more, and you try it again. That's that felt-tip pen. Forget it. Or do you have the same thing? No, not you, Jim. You haven't yet. Well, writing is something. Yeah, you use the ballpoints. All right. How long do you get on a ballpoint? You rarely use it? All right. You just throw it away. Yeah, that's right. When it stops. Well, then you must uh, have a trail of used ballpoints behind you. <laughs> I mean, I know some guys who buy them by the, you know, dozen lots. But uh, they never mention any of this on television. No way. Now, now take, uh, for example soft drinks um, to, 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 to actually look at the sight of a person drinking a diet soft drink on television the ecstatic look there's, there's one scene where this girl uh, it's, you know, it says be good to yourself it says go on go on what the hell you only live once they, they announce be good to yourself and uh, shows this girl she's opening up a bottle of diet soft drink I thought they were first coming on with a spot you know for wild turkey bourbon or something what the hell yeah, you only live once hang one on tonight you know something like that but no it's, it's, a, it's a spot for diet soft drink now you know in, in most people's lives when you go to when you switch to diet soft drink that means well <laughs> you know that's not being good to yourself. That's saying, well, I'm going to have to cut out all that great stuff from now on. It's going to have to drink this colored water with fizzy stuff in it. That's what I'm going to drink. Well, here she is, and she, she opens this bottle, and she settles back, and she takes a drink of it, and it's just unbelievably ecstatic. I wonder how many people feel that they didn't get the right bottle of this stuff, or their, their guy is making fake stuff. How about those unbelievable spots of, for, for iced tea? You know, where the guys fall over backward in the swimming pool. Oh, God, iced tea. Well, iced tea has always been one of the more, to me, one of the duller drinks available. Well, you know, I'm putting it down. But on the other hand, uh, I'm not going to walk a mile for a glass of iced tea. I mean, uh, you know, if it's there, I mean, I'll enjoy it. But the iced tea has never made me say, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. Oh, oh, God. Bring some more. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll drink it. You know, I put it in. I put it generally in the category with the Kool Aid, uh, some stuff my mother made that she called Orange Aid. You know that kind of stuff. It's not, yeah, it's all right. You know, but uh, you know, it's like Jello. I have never, I've never seen a Jello riot. You know, where people are rioting because the Jello is so exciting and so good that they can't stand it. But oh, on television, this is uh, this is the way it goes. The life that you see on television has made you dissatisfied with yours. Now, now, 
you watch, you watch, for example, even the news can do it. You, well, no, I'm, I, in a subtle way. You watch, for example, uh, Walter Cronkite every night, year after year, or John Chancellor. Uh, every night, these people are very concerned <laughs> with, with the way the world is going. Now, every human being has moments when he thinks about this, and a lot of times when he only worries about uh, uh, his golf swing, or he couldn't care less. How, how, how about yourself? Now, seriously, how, during a week, how many hours do you think that you're really interested, say, in the plight of the Vietnamese? Well, no, just I'll be honest. Are you ever? Well, see, Walter Cronkite's different from both of you. He is every night. And you begin to wonder, what's the matter with you? <laughs> you may be an intelligent person, but you're just not measuring up anymore. And then you, you, you talk to your friends. How long has it been since your friends have actually discussed, discussed, uh, let's say, uh, America's involvement in the Middle East? I mean, I don't mean yelling about the cost of oil. I mean, that's not discussing it. I'm saying they discussed uh, America's involvement. Now, uh, have you ever felt inferior to polls? Well, have you ever read polls where it says 27.9% of the population agree with Henry Kissinger's attitude towards Western Germany? <laughs> And 74.9% uh, and, uh, of them disagree with uh, Henry Kissinger's attitude toward Western Germany. And then it says 3% no opinion. Have you had that suspicion that you're always in? <laughs> Do you or don't you? Has anyone ever asked you about any of this stuff? I have never once been polled. Would you like to poll me on anything? Call me up, friends. <laughs> No, uh, uh, no, I'm very serious. Uh, I, I really honestly think that, that media, and, and this may sound very light and loose to you, but I do believe that, that, that all the bombardment of media of, of thousands of people who apparently have very, very uh, uh, clean-cut opinions on all the most complex issues has made a lot of people very dissatisfied with themselves. Now, now, I don't think this has ever really been discussed much in me. Yeah, I mean, uh, sure, I'm, I'm not even I'm ignoring the whole idea of what violence on television or, or the various media do to people. But have you noticed that, that even the most humdrum lives in movies and in television shows are somehow magically exciting? Sure, I mean, let's take, let's take a guy that's the desk sergeant in The, the Rookies. Have you noticed how great his uniform looks? Have you noticed that uh, he's always got a funny remark to make to one of the rookies when they come in? Yeah, he never says, what, huh? What did you say? He never says anything like that. He, he never says, get off my back, will you? Can't you see him up on my thing here and work? Now, come on, you guys. No way. He's got a funny remark, and he leaves. Have you noticed the lieutenant is always kindly yet stern in, in the rookies? So I'm saying that, that, that everybody has a specific role. Johnny Carson now will sit down every night. Johnny Carson has these fantastically funny friends that always appear. Each one's made a movie recently. 
<laughs> Somebody's made a film. Somebody's made a record. Another guy's playing uh, Las Vegas. He never says, and now tonight's guest is Charlie Applerod, who works down at the Shell Station, down at the corner of uh, Sunset and 17th. Charlie, come on in. Give him a big hand, folks. Charlie. No way. But that's, uh, that's what most of us, you know, when I say us, it's uh, editorially live with. That's a fascinating problem. It is. Have you noticed how, what fun it is on television to go to McDonald's? Have you noticed how they sing at Burger King? And you go there, you know, there's a bunch of truck drivers standing in line, you know. <laughs> and uh, so you, you always feel, you always feel vaguely like nothing quite comes up to your expectations. You hear about a movie, you know, and you, you can hardly wait to see it. I mean, Pauline Kael writes 19 pages in the New Yorker on it. It's a milestone. you got to see it. Judith Christ, you know. Uh, comes right out and cries right on a page there for you. It's unbelievable. You've got to see it in halfway through the second reel. You've forgotten what it's about. <laughs> That's known as the uh, shampoo syndrome. So, uh, would you please, uh, I mean, you know, uh, do they get something out of it you don't get? Well, yes. Pre preview, trip out to the coast to visit Warren Beatty. Uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff you don't get out of it, friends. But, uh, you know, as you, as, you, as you row your little tiny boat on Route 22, always searching for the next Howard Johnson and hoping that this one will have 28 flavors. Uh, be careful of the boat. It's got a leak in it. you got to keep your eye once in a while on the floorboards there and that water that's oozing up around your ankle. Everybody's animal have you, ever, have you ever had the suspicion that Gene Hackman is in everything? And if he ain't in it, Dustin Hoffman is in it. Sometimes they're both in it. You've been listening to Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator on the contemporary scene.